You're listening to the Creating Your Own Path podcast, episode number 71. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Jen Snyder, and as always, you can listen to the show on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or your favorite podcast app. You can also catch a new episode each week at creatingyourownpath.com. So today is our second installment of the segment dedicated to those making physical products for a living, and I am so excited about our guest. But first, I want to remind you all that the next round of Perfecting Your Pitch is open for early bird registration. Now, if you've been following along on Twitter or Instagram, you've probably seen me mention it. However, if you're new around here and you haven't heard me talk about my public relations e-course, I will quickly try to sum it up for you guys. So Perfecting Your Pitch is a three-week course designed to help small business owners get a handle on the basics of media outreach. I know from experience that reaching out to various media outlets like magazines and TV news, blogs, and yes, podcasts can be overwhelming. And my goal in creating the course was to help all of my business owner friends understand the dynamics involved with media outreach and kind of demystifying the whole process. So if you've been feeling like 2016 is your year to reach out to media outlets and share your story on a larger stage, please head over to jenniferesnider.com slash perfecting your pitch to see if the course is right for you. Again, early bird registration is open now, but it closes this Sunday, March 20th, and then the course reverts back to the regular price. So I would get in there now if you can, and if you have any questions, please feel free to reach out to me. Okay, so let's talk about today's guest. Melanie Abrantes is a woodworker and designer who makes really beautiful home goods out of different types of wood and cork. I've been following her work for a while and had originally hoped to swing through Oakland last year at the end of my cross-country CYOP road trip, but our schedules just didn't jive. Luckily, we connected again as soon as I decided to run with this segment, and we made the interview happen. I met her in our Oakland studio and fell even more in love with her work after seeing it up close and in person. In the interview, she talks about her transition from product design in school to graphic design after graduation and then back to product design with her current work. We also go into her connection to her materials, why focus is such a crucial part of her work, and how she comes up with her various products. It's been really inspiring to follow her growth online, but I'm so glad we had a chance to talk about all of the behind the scenes stuff too. So let's get to Melanie. So Melanie, I often like to start at the beginning since I think people's journeys are really interesting. So will you tell us a little bit about your career path and how you ended up where you are today? Yeah, so I um, went to school at Otis College of Art and Design and I studied product design there, and it was a really nurturing program where they pretty much just told you, like, do whatever you want to do, and, you know, just dive in, become an expert, and figure out how to do it. Um, and there's always people that were willing to, obviously, help us through that, you know, guided service almost, um, but they taught us how to make everything. So it was really rewarding to um, be making a product and, it was in LA, so they would take us around LA and let us meet manufacturers and let us kind of like meet the people that were professionals at whatever we wanted to do. So for instance, I made, um, one of my first projects was a table and I hand carved the legs and then I casted the legs in bronze. Ooh. And um, But I learned how to do both woodworking and I worked with manufacturer to cast the bronze since I certainly didn't know how to do that. But it was so exciting and really rewarding to just um, feel like I really was a designer at that point, even though I was 
have no idea what I was doing. Um, <laughs> but uh, yes, it was a very nurturing um, system, and I graduated, but unfortunately couldn't find a job specifically in product design. So I was able to work with a store called Aplesar, and I was working with them when I was in college, and that was kind of like my, I guess, first introduction to like good design. They are a really well-known design store in LA, and um, once I graduated, I um, they upgraded me pretty much to uh, their graphic designer. So um, I did their graphic design for about a year, and in between that, I also was interning at a studio called Karen Kilmer Studios. Okay. And um, they also needed a graphic designer, so I pretty much left Aplesar and did full-time graphic design for Karen, and that lasted for about two years. And um, during that time, I was really missing working at a wood shop. I really wanted to get my hands dirty again instead of staring at a computer. It was the uh, a hard uh, transition, I guess, you know, because that's not what I expected to do for my career, and I realized it wasn't what I wanted to do for my career. Right. So I was able to sign up for a local wood shop called um, Community Wood Shop, and they were near my house, and they had a lathe, and that's predominantly what I used for my, um, you know, my work. So I was just excited I was just like yes like I have a lathe again I can make things and I just started making products for gifts and then people really liked them and I decided I should just uh, start selling them so I signed myself up for West Coast Craft which is a oh sure yeah which is a little not little anymore a marketplace up here in San Francisco because my boyfriend lived up here at the time and I was like oh I can visit him and sell myself so I was pretty excited about that and People had a really great uh, reaction to my work, and I was just so happy, and just things kind of started rolling after that. And what year was that? So kind of give people a timeline as to... Yeah, so pretty much December 2012 is when I did the market. Okay, okay, so that was kind of the kickoff then for you. Yeah. Okay, so now you're in this amazing warehouse space here Mm -hmm. in Oakland, Yeah. and it's so cool and beautiful, and I walked in and immediately, like wanted to touch all of your work because it's so beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and, you know, I, I talk to a lot of people who do make things with their hands or with their tool, the tools or that are available to them. And, you know, wood in particular, and um, another one is clay, it can take a lot of focus mm-hmm. and a lot of time. And so I'm curious what your favorite part of doing your work actually um, is. Yeah, you know, I think it's one of those things where uh, it's becoming, it's changing. Like at first it really was making the product. Um, Now I'm realizing I do love making it, but I also love designing it. Ah, okay. Um, Now that I really am predominantly, I have to make, I mean, I'm in a bunch of different stores now and I'm doing a lot of wholesale accounts and it's it's really becoming like a a manufacturing process. So... It's losing its appeal in a way, um, but I still love that first time when I'm thinking of a product, and I really, I think 3D, I, I mean, I, I do sketch it out most, most of the time, but like doing that first product is what I'm really excited about. Um, and it's just like the idea that it's essentially, because it's first made into a block, um, and then I'm, I round it out on the lathe, and then it, the shape kind of comes into form. And that is really the moments where I'm just like, ah, like, this is my favorite. <laughs> yeah, and it, so you're kind of prototyping yes, almost. Yes, exactly, okay. prototyping. So can you talk about, because I've never 
talked with someone who actually uses cork to make things. Uh -huh. And so the difference between working with wood and working with cork, like what's what are that, they? Yeah, and what's that process like for you yeah. to bring the two together to make something? Um, so I am half Portuguese. Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, Filipino, but I really resonated with my Portuguese heritage because I would visit my grandfather when I was growing up and I would see how they would use cork. And just so you know, 83% or 85% of cork comes from Portugal. I did not know that. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, yeah, it's super awesome because like you go there and they use it in so many different ways. You're yeah. just like, oh, I didn't even know it could be done in this shape or form or object. And I think that kind of opened up my mind to the things you could do with it. Sure. So I, um, I was able to get my hands on some and it was something, it works very similar to the way wood does, except it's a little bit faster which means I can actually charge less for the product because that's oh, a huge right. part of it. <laughs> sure, I guess that makes sense. Yeah, um, and so I um, was able to work with it and I really, really loved it. And I really want people to know the value of cork because I think people really think of it as either a cork board or you know, a cork top for wine. Right, it's more um, utilitarian yes. than beautiful. It's not usually seen as beautiful. Right, right, and people really don't see it as a 3D like object you can use for a home. Right. So I, I decided to start mixing the materials together um, because I was thinking um, the materials itself would elevate each other. Mm -hmm. um, and that's kind of how it kind of became as known. And also I, I knew that if I was working with cork, I could really both change people's mind about just like the actual material and um, work with something that I find deeply, you know, uh, connected to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. Well, it, the, the they complement each other, I guess. The contrast between the two, it's it's so beautiful. Thank you. Um, yeah. You know, it, just looking at your site and then, of course, walking in and seeing them in person is even better. But I'm so drawn to your work. And I, I think, you know, the material has a lot to do with it because I would have never thought of Quark. So I love it. So again, like you talked about, your business is fairly new. What have you learned over the last several years about kind of managing the logistics of selling products. I know you said it's kind of moving more into wholesale and it's more of a manufacturing. So what's it like to sell the product through all of the different avenues and how do you manage that? Yeah. So, um, I, I mean, I, I definitely wasn't, I don't want to say naturally good at it, but I definitely didn't think it was going to be this much work. <laughs> um, I mean, half of my day is making and the other half is literally, you know, being in communications with people on the email, um, making sure everything on my site's ready and working. Um, and the more popular I get, the more requests I get, which is great, but also just, you know, it's a struggle to, to kind of brainstorm and figure it out as I go, because I, I definitely don't qualify as like a totally business savvy person. Um, I'm lucky enough to have um, my parents um, they own a business, and my uh, sister works for them. So okay. I'm always able to call them for advice, especially when it comes to um, a business's money. And right. it, it, as much as some people like the idea of the romantic side of, you know, I'm here making all these products for them and everything like that, like I have to think about logistically, like how much money do I spend on material? How much money do I spend um, making each product? You right. Know? I definitely, I time myself most of the time to make sure that I do it in a, in a quality way, you know, like. I just have to tell you, I don't mean to interrupt, but that has changed my life. Ti timing myself. Oh, I know. Actually setting aside blocks of time. Right. And get it done in this amount of time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and if you go over it, then next time you have to think through like, 
you know, I work with clients. So mm -hmm. again, it's like you have to think through, okay, well then maybe it's worth more to them because it actually took this much more time. Right. So that's, it's so smart to do that. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> it took me forever to figure it yeah, out. Yeah, I pretty much just put a clock next to my lathe and I, I like, I look at the clock, I, I set it in my mind, you know, for like, okay, this should take me 10 minutes. And if it doesn't take, I mean, I try, it's not like always going to be like exactly 10 minutes, but I definitely try to, to do a, like a certain time rate, especially for the product because, you know, I mean, it is handmade and I really can't control over how long every piece takes me, but I try to do it so that I'm, you're paying a fair price for what I'm doing. And, um, but yeah, so working with different companies is so much different than um, just working for my online shop. Sure. Um, um, it, it's one of those things where, especially at the beginning, no one even came to my store online. And I was just like sitting there waiting almost like, is, is someone gonna buy something? Um, but it's changed a lot since I've attended a show called New York Now. And it's a trade show that happens twice a year in um, New York. And that has opened up kind of a bunch of different doors for me for wholesale, for press, for even my own retail because of the press. So I think that's just how it works. But for the most part, it's just, you know, a different amount of juggling. And I thankfully was able, last year, I did the show and I was like, wow, I cannot do this by myself. And I was able to hire one girl, which has changed immensely. And she helps me out with um, shipping and we do brainstorming together. And, and she, she, I've been treating her to do more of the customer service and everything like that. But she's been amazing. And I'm so grateful to have someone to help out. <laughs> yeah, and one thing that I've, learn just from talking with people, you know, is those of us who create anything, whether it's music or a physical product or putting words to paper or whatever right. it is, we can get in our own heads about it. And so it's nice to have somebody oh, yeah. just be like, is this dumb? Is this, is this a bad <laughs> idea? You know, to right, kind of right. check yourself a little bit. I, yeah, before her, I was like bothering anyone and just to get their opinion on something. My poor boyfriend, he had to like listen. I'd be like, what do you think of this color? What do you think of this color scheme? What do you think of this, like, you know, product? Do you like the shape? And he is not a designer, so he would just be like, yeah, babe, it looks great. But right. I always was... joke that my husband's not my target demographic. No. Usually. <laughs> Unfortunately, I've said that to him, and he was kind of just like, who is your target demographic? And right. I was like, not you. So <laughs> don't worry about it. <laughs> exactly. It's like, I've learned my lesson. <laughs> Um, but yeah, funny. it is, it is, it's funny in that sense. Exactly. Uh, and that's a huge part of even the business is figuring out, I don't know, like when you first start, I didn't even think I was making a business. Honestly, it was one of those things where I was just doing something I loved and it became a business. And because I want to do it so more often and I figured, you know, I should make this my full-time thing. But as I am becoming I guess more established, I'm realizing how much of the things that my teachers were teaching me when I was studying in school and how important they are, like marketing and um, you know, having a target demographic and knowing your numbers and all those things that I feel like I was very much just so oblivious to and thinking, no, it needs to be about the product. It needs to be yep. like, you know, exactly what I want. But you know, now that I have, you know, there's only a limited amount of money I can 
put into a product and a limited amount of money I can put into these quote unquote marketing Not things that you want to do. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I have to budget myself, which has been a struggle. That, it is hard. It is hard. <laughs> hard. Especially if your brain doesn't go there right away. Right. I, I mean, I can relate to that. I, I was an English lit major. Mm -hmm. So we could talk about Chaucer or Joan Didion, right. Shakespeare. <laughs> but I also ended up with a business and administration minor because I knew that I was going to need That's so smart. that side of it. I just, because it's like, what am I going to do with this degree? I, right. I don't want to be a teacher. I'm probably not going to be a novelist right away, right? So yeah, it's, it's fascinating. And I think that it kind of speaks to the education experience a little bit because you can kind of get almost siloed into one thing. And if you don't get that well-rounded experience, you're going to be missing bits and pieces when you do get out there and start a business or do whatever you're going to do. So I, I can 100% relate to that. Right. <laughs> um, you know, I was doing some research for this interview and I read, I think on your site that you, you use a lot of your time in the studio to kind of research and, and test products. You know, we were talking about finding that target demographic. So right. what is, what does that process look like for you? Well, I mean, it's not, I guess it's one of those things where if a product comes up, um, I, speaking of which actually, this past week has been definitely more of that. Uh -huh. um, I did a collaboration with a designer. She's in, um, in New York and her name's uh, Ariane. And um, we did a jewelry box together and she happened to be in town this week. So we were like, okay, let's meet up. Let's like actually work on this next product, which is something that we were having in mind for a, a jewelry box for men. Um, and literally it was just like, like, you know, I can make these prototypes really easily, which is something that a lot of businesses don't have the luxury of. Right. They have to kind of outsource, they have to pay butt tons of money to like, you know, get this piece out there before they can even like see it. Um, and so we just worked together. We did some sketches on paper and then she put it up on 3D programming and then sure. I made the product. And so we were literally like, there was at one point I was just like, you should it be shorter, should it be taller? And like, you know, we were able to really collaborate that way. Um, and then once we made it, I literally, I mean, it's so it's the idea um, is we're supposed to make a watch box for men. Okay. So we were literally just testing out different shapes, different sizes, trying to figure out what a man would want. Right. <laughs> Which was a little bit, uh, you know, it was out of our realm since we're women. And, but we did know that there was a demographic that wanted something a little more stylish. Functional and beautiful. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So we were thinking, you know, of that demographic specifically. But um, so we were just like, I don't know, we were like asking my studio mate, who's a guy, we were asking Gabe, we were like, does this look like a guy's object? Like, we were just so curious. Um, and I think, you know, this product especially, we're going to do a lot of field research on, you know, asking guys, like, what would you want? What would make it better? Um, like, it's, um, it's like a little, it's like for only one watch. So we were thinking, like, would guys want that, you know? Sure. Because I know they have more than one watch. Right. It's kind of like, if a girl has more than one ring, you know, they're not going to just... I don't know. So we're, anyway, essentially there is a lot of research and, uh, yeah. and field work that goes into each product because I do want people to really, I guess, know that we put all our time and effort into thinking about them before they even had to think about it. Right. And that's how I like to think of most of my products. Well, yeah, because it's so nice 
as a shopper, you know, right. as somebody who maybe wants to acquire something functional and beautiful, to go, oh my gosh, I needed that. Right, exactly. And have it just be there for you, you know, without <laughs> yeah. having to do a ton of research or, you know, I was just listening to a podcast on the way down and they were talking about nobody makes that thing. Right. You know, how come they, I can't find this plus this? Right. And so, um, and it, it's true. It's true. And when you come across that thing and you're like, ah, oh, how come nobody makes it? And it takes you forever to find what you need. Right. But instead what you're saying is, yeah, I'm trying to do that. You're filling that gap of time. Exactly. <laughs> I <Yeah>. like it. <laughs> I love it. Um, and it's so smart to take the time to do that. You know, I, again, I think um, myself included. Sometimes I get this idea and I rush, 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 and I get it. Try to just take it to market, whatever that idea is. Right. Um, without putting the steps in, you know, in place in the in the beginning, and and sometimes that's fine. You know, you learn as you go. But when you're creating something with actual materials that you have to buy and you know mm-hmm. um, spend money on and invest in and uh, and then when you're collaborating too I'm assuming it takes it's more fun probably but it sometimes it takes more time because oh, there's right. a lot of back and forth right right yeah and you know we both have to agree on one product you know and that's generally not the case with me which is kind of the most fun part of owning a business is just like I want to make this okay I'm making it and it's no one no one could tell me no no one could tell me yes and that was like a huge problem even when I was working for people I'd be like I want to make that. And they would be like, not now, Melanie. And I'd be like, oh, no, <laughs> this is what I want. So um, maybe it's just like the control freak inside me um, just coming out. But like, you know, just it's, that's like the beauty of just being able to kind of have control over what you do, you know? Sure. Yeah. So do you ever use like social media to test out products? Do you ever you Instagram know, something and people are yeah. like, oh, I want that. You do you know, ever do that? Sometimes I do. Um, sometimes, like there is, I guess in the industry, the element of surprise, you know, you want to make sure that everything is kind of fit and ready. You know, like for me, making a product, I have the product in mind, I produce it, maybe one object. Um, if I like show it to a couple people, if they really like it, then I'm like, okay, this is it. And then most of the time I get it professionally photographed awesome. and then at that point I release it I see. but I know with social media being able to have like I have a bunch of followers on Instagram and it's so awesome to have like direct contact with people you know because like I'm it able is. to like post something and I have immediate reactions right and like we were even thinking about that for that jewelry box of just being like I was like should we just post it and see what people say you know sure um, but it is it's definitely not commonly done so I think it, there is a little hesitation for me because, you know, you want things to be perfect almost before you launch it. Right. Um, but there's definitely sometimes when I definitely do a lot of um, hints, right? Like mm-hmm. I'll do some process shots and I'll do some um, maybes, you know, like, yeah, sure. what do you think of this, guys? Yeah. But like not really being so blatantly open. Uh-huh. So, yeah. So currently, so-so. I'm testing the waters, essentially. I understand, <laughs> which um, it makes total sense. I find that just asking people questions about maybe their habits. I know for this show, I ask my, because my audience, they show up on Instagram, which is interesting to have an audio right. type but they product. Want visual they want visual well. Yeah. But I ask them questions like, when do you listen? How do you listen? You know, that sort of thing. And so, you know, maybe if it's not like, do you like this thing that I'm showing you right here right, in, this, right. in this picture? It's like an element of it or whatever. So it's, it's just an interesting tool that I've, I've seen used in different ways. I'm always curious how people u- utilize it. Yeah. I'm going to transition just a little bit because I always also like to talk about life outside of work, okay. at least a little bit, because, you know, we hear a lot about that theory um, 
that it takes 10,000 hours to become a master at something. And I think it was Malcolm Gladwell who said that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think it does absolutely, like practice can make perfect or pretty Most close certainly. to yeah. it, right? So, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm sure the first time you tried to make something with cork or wood, it was like maybe not up to your standards now, right? Oh, yeah, I like fell off the lathe and almost hit someone. Okay, see, so everybody has a story like <laughs> yeah, that no matter exactly. what industry they're in, right? So like, you know, practice is great, but it can also turn into this like perfectionism tool almost where you kind of just dive deeper and deeper into it and then you look up and it's dark outside and you should probably have gone home like three hours ago or something. So how do you shut the door and just stop working? Um, so for me, um, I have long days. I work generally from eight to eight. Wow. So I, but I mean, that doesn't mean I'm working on the lathe the whole time. And I think it works out in my benefit because it's kind of like, you know, some people, like if you're working, you kind of have those hours where you're like, I want to get on Facebook or I want to get on Instagram or I want to like kind of decompress uh -huh. from whatever you're doing. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like 12 hours makes it work for me because that means I have a lot of time to decompress as well as work. Right. Um, but uh, when I leave work, I generally don't take my computer. I leave it. And if I have you know, emails to answer, if it's really urgent, then I'll do it on my phone. But otherwise, I try to leave my work at work. at work, right? And also, you know, because I am making all my products and I am using machines that are very, um, you know, focus driven. I try if I'm tired, if I feel like I'm not doing a good job, I just stop because there's mm. no like it could escalate so much faster and actually probably hurt me. You know, like sure. it could put me in danger in a way if I'm tired or, or just like not 100% focused. So. And that generally happens past a certain point, you know, and there's definitely those days where literally it feels like I'm back in school and it's finals week and I'm like, I have to get this finished because I'm leaving for something or I'm doing something. And those are the days that kind of like scare me the most because I know that, I, you know, there's only so many hours in a day and right. I have to, you know, finish these products. But sometimes I just have to give myself a break and be like, you know what, I'll finish it when I return. Right. Um, but I definitely... Like last year, I think I was a little bit burnt out from the amount of work I was doing. And I've been trying this year to kind of give myself some goals and to focus more on myself. So this past year, I gave myself one month challenges. Oh, okay. I'd love to hear about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, they're all like personal, right? So like all based on like my life or whatever. But it's really great to kind of just... I don't know, focus on one thing a month instead of having to do try and do everything at the beginning of the year. So like That's for, really smart because everybody was gung ho in January. Yeah. Now it is March. Yes, and I don't yeah. So I just focus on one thing every month, you know, and like number January was no alcohol. Um, February was no sugar. Oh. Yeah. That's rough. Valentine's Day. Oh. I know. But it was also good too, because yeah. I'm a little addicted. So I, and it, it really did work. It was pretty crazy. Like, I mean, the first two weeks I was like, everything tastes like poop. And then afterwards <laughs> I was like, oh wow, like I can actually start tasting flavors and things that like were like undertones that clearly sugar was, you know, masking. Right, right. Um, and I was thinking about even extending it into a little March a little bit because I felt like I was like, I should be good to myself and my body. Um, and then um, March is meditation month. So I'm trying to meditate for 10 minutes a day and get eight hours of sleep a night, which wow. is something I am really, really struggling with. You know, like I come home and I cook dinner with my boyfriend and then, 
you know, but my mind's still thinking about other things and it just keeps rolling and rolling and rolling until probably around midnight. And then I wake up around seven, you know, so it, it hasn't been good. Um, but yeah, so this was like the first month where I'm really hoping I can maybe see the difference. And that mm -hmm. was kind of like the ideas of every month is being able to see the difference for everything. Cause you know, a whole month you can really see absolutely like what happens, you know? Um, I feel so like even after two weeks, you could probably start to feel yeah, the yeah, difference in exactly, yourself. Yeah. But a month is like a good, like, you know, it takes what 30 days to make a habit. So that That's was what they the say. Idea. Yeah. I love that idea. I love that you, you know, so it's not overwhelming. <laughs> you yeah. don't try and do it all at once, but you also, it's all about taking good care of yourself. Yeah. Because that was the idea, because I think, it's really easy, at least it's been really easy for me, especially last year, to not be very good at taking care of myself and just be like, oh, well, I have all these deadlines, so I'll take care of myself tomorrow. Right, and yeah, and that's, I guess, like, this is, like, my small way of doing that. And, you know, the, the, the challenges range from, like, I'm so bad, like, picking up my clothes off the floor hey, every night, you making know? making your bed once, you know, yeah, in the morning. Yeah, yeah, And they're, they're easy, but they're also, like, you know, such small changes and differences that I hope that they stick around. Yeah. Um, or even just, like, I don't know what's one of them, walking 10,000 steps every day. Right. Or um, drinking eight glasses of water every day. You right. Know? Whatever it is, it's just, like, things that can obviously make myself better, because I'm not getting any younger. Right. I feel like, like, like our girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I should probably think about these things now yeah. instead of like 20 years later when right. I'm like, oh, I have diabetes, I have this, I have that, and yep. I should have thought about it. So right, no, yeah. absolutely, such a good idea. I might have to steal that for myself. <laughs> you should. It's okay to start in March, right, no, or in April. So. Okay. There's still how many months left? <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. There's still time to make some changes. Um, okay. So a lot of the people who listen to this show, they're either thinking about getting started with a business of some kind or they're like in it. Mm -hmm. um, and so for those looking to make a physical product, what advice do you have for them? Like what are some of the things that you wish you knew back when you started? Well, honestly, I think the number one thing that people struggle with is just doing it. Getting up putting the effort in and like really working hard. Like that is the best advice I can give someone. And I'm, I come from an immigrant family. So I think working hard was definitely instilled in me um, from the get go. Like, you know, like my parents just, that's just, I saw them do that every single day. You know, just, they started their own businesses. They came here from with nothing. So I think that has been definitely a huge influence, but that would be my number one thing. And also being able to know what you're doing is different from someone else, you know? Like if you're gonna be doing, I don't know, let's say uh, clay or something like that and you're making a mug, what makes your mug different? Like right. there's so many other artists right now that are, that are making the, that same product. Like how can you put yourself and differentiate yourself in that marketplace? Um, and you know, really thinking business savvy and like maybe even just reading a bunch of books. So I because I, I do work alone by myself a lot. I either listen to audiobooks or I listen to podcasts. Uh -huh. And I, and most of the time they're pleasurable audiobooks or, you know, podcasts, or they're like about stories about people's lives. And like, those are things I really, really enjoy. But sometimes I, I like, if I know if I'm almost indulging too much, mm -hmm. I definitely have a bunch of podcasts that I've lined up that are about business and about, you know, financials and about people that have made millions of dollars. I mean, of course, I don't want to be a millionaire, but like right. what they have to say is very 
important and knowledgeable and kind of just working on yourself as well. That's super inspiring because again, it's really easy to just get tunnel vision and it's easy to forget <laughs> that we do need to like keep up on our knowledge right? Um, or teach ourselves things. You know, I think, uh, I think of my schedule also putting things down on a calendar and making sure that things are written up. But um, like my schedule is essentially like six months in advance. Like wow. I don't like, I'm, I'm pretty much booked until May at this point, you know, just with the shows and everything like that. Wow. And I had to think of it that way because if, if, if I want to make a product, um, the shows I go to are New York now twice a year and then design week, which is something new. So if I had to make a product, I had to think about like how long it's going to take to make it, you know, mm -hmm. how long it's going to take to photograph it, make the catalog, make everything, all the printables and um, making sure that it's like in its own campaign almost, right? To right. make sure that people purchase it, which is so much work. <laughs> but also because of that, I, I do have to think of it in like a time span, you know, of like how long this would take me. Sure. And do you kind of look at the date and then back it up from there? Yeah. Is that because I know... You know, um, I used to work in marketing, and so mm -hmm. especially for printables, you know, things yes. that need to be yeah. printed, you've got to give yourself enough lead time. Right, right. You're going to be scrambling as you're going to the airport picking up your stuff. You no, know, totally. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, and thankfully I did do those years of graph design, so I, I'm my own graph designer, you know, so which right. is great for me. But yeah, so those those things are definitely really helpful, and also good pictures. If you're making a product. You want to be able to show people what it is. And if, I mean, of course, doing your own photos, if you have a good camera and good light and like off of a white background, honestly, mm -hmm. um, you can, but like after a while, and I think it's really worth it to have a professional photographer. Okay, that's really good advice. And all my professional photographer friends, thank you for saying that, probably. <laughs> but it's true, it's true. I mean, I know I've definitely tried to DIY a lot of stuff just right. because it's. That's the thing, though. It's like me working for myself. I, I from the get go, I did it all, right? But I am slowly realizing I cannot do it all. Right, your eight to eight schedule <laughs> dictates that. Actually, yeah. I think. <laughs> um, so because of that, like I have, I have outsourced a couple things that I, like have just lifted weight off my shoulders. Yeah. I'm like, you know, I need a life too. Um, I definitely know that this was like a quote unquote startup, or you know, yeah, like a, sure. Like, I'm definitely, this business is, it won't work unless I put my hours in, but right. um, it helps to know that I, I can give off some work to other people. Sure. Well, and that, and you're essentially creating gigs for other people, which is yeah, super cool. totally. We're just wrapping things up mm -hmm. because I always want to know at the end of the show, where can people find your stuff? So where's the best place online to find out more about your work? Yeah, so um, you can either find me on my website, which is melaniabrontis.com, and it's M-E-L-A-N-I-E-A-B-R-A-N-T-E-S.com, or find me on Instagram at melaniabrontisdesigns. Okay. You said you're, you know, you've got a lot of wholesale accounts. So where, what stores, I mean, just maybe name a few big ones that people can find your work in. Uh, yeah. So um, my biggest stores probably are West Elm and um, Urban Outfitters. Uh, but you can find, I think, the products online. Well, thank you, Melanie. I really appreciate you, you letting me come to your studio here in Oakland. And um, I appreciate your time. Yeah. This has been a really great little conversation. So as Melanie mentioned, you can follow her on Instagram at Melanie Abrantes Designs. Her feed is gorgeous. You can also check out more of her work over at melanieabrantes.com. 
Remember, you can also find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Pinterest at Jennifer E. Snyder. And Melanie mentioned a lot of really great resources during the interview. I've got them all linked up over in the show notes at creatingyourownpath.com. If you're thinking about signing up for Perfecting Your Pitch, the e-course I mentioned at the top of the show, don't forget to get in there while the early bird discount is running. Just head over to jenniferesnyder.com slash perfectingyourpitch to find out all of the details. All right, you guys, that does it for today's show. As always, thank you for listening, and I will catch you next time.